0: The difficult second episode, eh? I wonder what we can run with today. I wonder if hopefully there'll be enough material. Oh, what's this? Oh, some suggestions for the podcast. Well, that's kind Oh. 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 Hello? How many emails have I had? 1.5 million. Why'd you ask? an inauguration that was attended by, well, a certain number of people, a media struggling to get to grips with fact and fiction, and a world that stands watching as we try to work out what and who to believe. Callum Hello and welcome to Trust Me, I'm a Journal. I'm Callum MacDonald, and paying my salary every day a mainstream media corporation in the UK.
1: BBC News, that's another
0: beauty. But fueling my enthusiasm all of you. Thank you very much for listening to episode one, and here comes the difficult second episode.
1: Today... I just started thinking, like, after the campaign, after, like, somehow Donald Trump won, like, was my attempt to to hurt his campaign, did it actually help it in... some weird way.
0: The man who reckons his fake news articles may actually have got Donald Trump elected as president of the United States. Paul Horner has twice convinced the internet that he's the British graffiti artist Banksy and he managed to fool everyone into thinking the entire Amish community were backing Trump for president. Oh, and as a mark of his success, Donald Trump's campaign manager actually retweeted one of his fake stories. Stand by for one of the kings of fake news on Trust Me, I'm a German. Well hello and welcome to episode 2 of Trust Me I'm a Journal with Callum Macdonald and what an incredible couple of weeks it's been since we last spoke. Um, It seems like the world is slowly imploding around the issue of fake news to be honest, it's uh, one day to the next, there's more stories from Germany, from other parts of Europe, and from America as well, of course, where actually it's quite a hotbed of uh, fake news stories, as we were hearing uh, last week. Um, and thank you very much for all your responses as well to Pizzagate, episode one. Uh, if you've not heard it, you can hear it via the website. It's trustmeimajournal.com. Um, and for all the updates on, uh, on what's happening, find me on social media, on Facebook, on Twitter and uh, all the details are on the website as well. Uh, If you don't have social media, then you can sign up to the mailing list, which will send occasional, very occasional updates to your email inbox of what to expect from the podcast series, and when all of the information you need is on com, And tell your friends as well. Subscribe via your podcast provider, and at this stage, unfortunately, Trust Me, I'm a Journal is not the most popular podcast on iTunes, but that's of course because of millions of illegal subscribers taking part in the subscription service offered on iTunes, so you should all just forget about that. Great.
2: Since you're attacking us, can you give us a question? Since you're, no, Mr. President-elect. Go Mr. ahead. Mr. President-elect, go since ahead. you are attacking no, our not news you,
0: organization, not can you. you give us a chance? Your organization You are attacking terrible. our news so organization. So it's clear that fake news hasn't gone chance. away yet, Ben. Sir, uh, long live sir, this podcast, stay, some might be quiet. saying, as we try to investigate and get to the bottom of fake news. And as long as the President of the United States makes fake news an issue, we're going to keep on chatting about it. I'm not
1: going to give you a question. Can you stay categorically? You are fake news. Sir, can you stay categorically that nobody... No, Mr. President-Elect, that's not go appropriate.
0: Ahead. Okay then, let's go. It's time for Paul Horner's wake-up call. And I mean that literally. I think this interview might actually get me on the cover of Time magazine maybe like 14 or 15 times, which could well be the all-time record. If you could just give me your full name and how you'd like to be introduced when we play out the interview, first of all.
1: Paul Horner, and say um, online I write... Uh... Political satire, humor, comedy, and what the media is calling uh, fake news. Different websites. I have a website that has real news and real uh, news stories on it. I do uh, stand-up comedy and I throw comedy shows and I, I write a lot of humor and comedy for that. I write a lot of stories that uh, have a lot of like like political satire in them. Um, and then also uh, I like I read a lot of stories that are more hoaxy and uh, are what the media is now started calling fake news I don't know they used to call it uh, online shenanigans or hoaxes or um, pranks but I guess uh, they've changed the name so.
0: Do you think the change of name sort of represents a change in tone of sort of the impact oh, yeah. and importance of the fake news?
1: Yeah, yeah. because I get lumped in now with, like, everyone that's ever done fake news or online anything with that, and I don't like it because the stuff that I write, I spend a lot more time on, and I have a purpose behind everything I write, um, there's... Like, everything that I write has, like, a purpose or a reason. Like, there's targets, there's um, there's humor, there's um, political stuff in there behind each one, um, attacking or targeting certain things, and there's satire in there that does certain things. And um, a lot of the fake news that's out there is just fake news, just to write fake news. Hey Drew. I mean, I could write a, a hoax right now, or a fake news article right now, like about uh, like Paul McCartney from the Beatles being killed, and I could make $10,000 in ad revenue, but I wouldn't do something like that because there's no point, there's no purpose. There's nothing behind it. There's, it's just fake news, just to do fake news. And that's why a lot of that stuff that's out there right now has gets a bad rap and I get lumped in with it. And I don't like that, but I don't know. It's, this is the first time in six years of doing this that I've had any problems. So that's fine.
0: Do you think though it's because of the types of articles that you write, you know, they're misle- in t- particularly in terms of kind of last year and, and the presidential election, actually, the articles are misleading and perhaps interfering with the course of an election.
1: Mm, I don't know. Some people felt that. I didn't think that. I thought all my... I mean, I was definitely attacking, like, Trump in my articles. I was trying to, like, make him look like an idiot and make his supporters look like, like, idiots like bigger idiots than they are. And um, I don't know. I know I, I definitely didn't attack Bernie Sanders or Hillary Clinton.
0: Last July's fake story about Ted Cruz saying he would endorse Trump if Trump would make masturbation illegal with Cruz going on to note that, quote, self-love is a silent killer in this country, is just one example of Paul Horner's finesse when it comes to writing a fake story. That one got debunked pretty quickly, but others were more subtle. One of the big ones featured a guy named, funnily enough, Paul Horner getting paid $3,500 to protest at a Trump rally in early March. The piece was filled with slightly bizarre details, like how Latinos were only paid $500 to protest, Muslims $600, and African Americans $750, and all of them had to attend a six-hour training class where they were taught chants like Dump Trump and Trump is a racist. But it seemed believable enough that it went viral, the same way that most of Horner's stories go viral. Wait, that is... In the Page to Protest case, the story even caught out Trump's then campaign chairman, Corey Lewandowski, who tweeted out a link to the post, and Sarah Palin, who cheerfully joined in, not even president yet, and our guys already creating jobs. This one was soon shot down too, however, but not before it attained a life of its own, with just your average Trump fan latching onto it as gospel proof of Democratic Party dirty tricks. It's quite difficult though, I guess, looking in from the outside, uh, Corey Lewandowski, who used to be Donald Trump's campaign manager, shared one of your stories about a protester getting paid to sort mm-hmm. of demonstrate. Is that, does that ever concern you, that your stories are being shared by high-profile people um, in the midst of you know, what should be a, a fair and fact-filled democratic process?
1: No, that was great, because that just, like, showed exactly what they were doing. They were just sh- sharing anything that helped their agenda, and, like, he he shared that article, and then within an hour, he got, he was just being lambasted, and just being called an idiot, and, like, all, the, all these different names and stuff like that for sharing that article. So, I mean, I did, that article did exactly what I wanted it to do. Um, to kind of humiliate the campaign. Yeah, and point out that that's what they were doing. They were sharing so much fake news, and they were sharing stuff that was so alt-right, far-right, um, all this stuff with an agenda, and, like, they didn't care if it was real or not. They just cared about putting it out there. Like, they just cared about the, the impact it had on its uh, followers. You know, they didn't care if the followers knew it was true or not. And that's why I, had, I thought that I might have had something to do with helping Trump instead of uh, hurting his campaign because I started thinking about stories like that. My intentions in those stories, like, if you ever actually read any of them, like, they mocked Trump and they mocked his supporters. But if you didn't actually read them, the story would help his agenda and it would help his cause. And I started thinking, like, you know when when Corey or whatever shared those stories, did, did it help more than it hurt, which i have no clue if it did or not, but I can only I can only guess, and my guess is that I hurt his campaign more than I helped it.
0: At this point, I think it's high time we hear from Craig Silverman. He's the media editor for BuzzFeed News and an all-round fake news guru. We'll be hearing from Craig periodically throughout the series. Let's hear from Craig on the connection between fake news and the US presidential election. This is one of the remarkable things about this
2: election is is that you would have completely one hundred percent fake news getting shared by by very influential people in the campaign. and And again, like that's not the same thing as somebody sharing a very slanted article. You would expect that. Mm. but in in for example, um two of Donald Trump's campaign managers, shared a completely fake article from a fake website that claimed a protester had been paid $3,500 to protest at a Trump event. And one of Donald Trump's sons, Eric Trump, also shared that story. So when you have people in that kind of position of power, of course, Trump supporters are going to be inclined to believe that because it's coming from people that they trust and they respect. And it's kind of unprecedented for me to see fake news kind of infecting that very high level of people. And of course, his his national security advisor, the person he's he's nominating for that job, has also been shown to have been sharing conspiracy theories and other things. And And so what that tells us, I think, is that we can probably expect more of this to be circulating, um, although I hope that these folks have realized the stuff they've been spreading and, and maybe take a little more care in the future. One of the things that started to become a topic of discussion after the US election was was the issue of, of fake news. How much did completely false stories get out there? How many people believe them? And. And how, how much does that compare to real news? And so I decided to kind of dig in and figure that out. And I've been building a list of fake news websites, which are sites that publish 100% fake stuff. This is not partisan news. And I looked at these more than 50 sites to figure out what their most popular fake news election hits were. And then I also did searches around conspiracy theories and other things that had spread. And I came up with a list of the, the top 20 election hits going back nine months before the election, six months before the election, and three months before. And then I did the same thing with the top election stories from real news websites, places like the Washington Post and the New York Times and CNN to see their top election hits. And what we saw in terms of the trend was that nine months before the election, six months before the election, um, those top 20 real news stories about the election were getting more engagement on Facebook, which means more comments, uh, reactions, and shares. But what happened is in the three months before the election, that really critical period when people are paying more attention, all of a sudden there was a huge spike in Facebook engagement for the top 20 fake news hits and mainstream news um, in terms of the election coverage started to go down. And so fake news actually got more engagement for the top 20 fake news hits than the top 20 real election stories. And that was really a surprising twist to have happened that close to the election.
0: Is it possible to say why that happened? Why people were engaging more with fake stories rather than going for the facts and the real stories?
2: I don't think we have a definitive answer as to why there was such a spike for those top fake news hits right before the election. Some of the factors that we may want to consider is, is one, that's a period where, where people are really even more engaged and more passionate about the election. And, and connected to that, if you looked at the big fake news hits... They were mostly pro-Trump and anti-Hillary Clinton. And what that meant is that if you were a Trump supporter or somebody inclined to have a negative view of Hillary Clinton, chances are you might see one of these. And because it feeds into your existing perceptions, you might get really excited. You might be happy to see it because it's reinforcing what you already feel. And at a time when your attention is greater to the election... And you're seeing something that is really appealing to views and biases that you may have, that may cause you to be a little more, um, that may cause you to have more interaction with it on Facebook. But overall, it's not just the popularity of fake news, it, there was also a question of why mainstream news didn't have such engagement for its top 20. And that's kind of, an you know, there's no real answer to that. It's just a strange thing that happened. And I think it speaks to the intensity of that election and also um, the nature of the amount of falsehoods that were spreading.
0: And in terms of it kind of um, fake news, uh, that is sort of taking Donald Trump's side, as it were, is it possible to then trace that through and decide whether or not there was, that it had a real, a real, out, a real effect on the outcome of the election?
2: I think a lot of people have kind of jumped the gun a little bit in, in arguing that fake news gave the election to Trump. There's really no reliable data out there to say what made somebody vote for him. Um, it's possible that somebody was already inclined to support Trump and they saw this kind of fake stuff going around that made them feel even more good about that decision. And I think it's probably unlikely that people solely made up their mind to vote for Donald Trump because they saw some fake stories. That being said, I don't think that we need to definitively show a link to voting for Trump uh, with fake news in order to consider this something that's really important and, and a unique thing from the election the amount of engagement that fake news was getting on Facebook was much higher than I've seen for fake news over the last two years that I've been looking at it. It was a high watermark in that respect. The other thing that we found is when we did a a survey of more than 3,000 Americans to find out if they had seen fake news headlines and if they had seen them, whether they believed them, we found that um, roughly about 75% of people who had seen a fake news headline that we tested thought that it was accurate so people did believe them Um, but to make the leap and say well they voted because of that is probably a step too far but we have a lot of data that really shows how important and perhaps impactful this was.
0: I like downloading podcasts because you can take them with you wherever you go so if you're on the train you can't really listen to radios so podcasts is the way to go. I mentioned a minute ago that if you were to write uh, a fake story about Paul McCartney dying, you'd get $10,000 from ad revenues. Is that a kind of, is that the usual figure you would get for an article that you'd put online?
1: Um, I could, I could make something like that. Maybe, like, not now, um, but before this whole fake news thing, probably I could have made something like that, um, with, like, a super huge mega, like, uh, like, a viral article. Mm. I know I've made, um, I think the most i made in one day on one article is like $7,500. And that was just the first day. And then the next day it also made a few thousand dollars. So yeah, that $10,000 estimate is pretty accurate.
0: Why do people fall for fake news stories like that?
1: Uh, I don't know. I I guess uh, they want things to be real, they like sharing stuff online, like Facebook. They like sharing stuff with their friends. I know with the Trump campaign, a lot of times they wanted stuff to be real. Um, They wanted things to um help their agenda. That's why they shared, like, so much fake news. That's why so many, like, fake news people were targeting, like, Trump supporters, because they were sharing, like, like, so much, like... Like, anything negative you wrote about Obama or anything negative you wrote about, I mean, anything with their agenda, like, anything negative about Muslims, anything negative about, you know, I don't know, anything like that, they would share it without even reading it. Like, you, all you had to do is just have the title and, like, a picture and just a, a, a something that looks legit, and they'll share it. And that's really sad.
0: I mean, you say it's sad, but you didn't stop doing it.
1: No, I I didn't. Some of those people shared that stuff to heart, and I didn't really think about that until uh, after the campaign was over. Maybe some of those articles, I should have uh, said that they were hoaxes at the top. I did on one occasion, I did on one of the stories um about this uh paid protester i actually changed the top of the story just saying that this is a hoax and i don't know i found that they were like still sharing the story (laughs) (laughs) like i actually like said this is a hoax like the first sentence in like big bold letters like and i still saw that the article was getting shared so Mm. I don't know.
0: Do you regret any of the stories you've written, and sort of that implication that even if it was hurting the the Trump campaign, that actually you were interfering in an election process with lies?
1: Um. No, I don't feel like I don't feel bad. I don't regret any of it. I um, I hope I interfered with the election campaign in a way of hurting his campaign. I'm not a fan of Hillary Clinton. I wanted to see Bernie Sanders win, but I didn't have anything to attack her with. I didn't. Uh, I didn't go after her in any way. Would you
0: ever go after her, or or somebody who obviously you're not a Donald Trump fan? So you know you were trying to hurt his campaign. So would it have yeah, been, not, I'm not.
1: a fan of hers either. No, no, it's I just, um, her the the thing about going after. Um, attacking, like, the left, um, with stories, um, I've done that before on certain occasions, and, um, you definitely, uh, I mean, it it really comes down to ad revenue, like, you don't make very much money just because the left and, uh, atheists uh, and liberals, um, they seem to fact-check like, a hundred times more than the, uh, the right, the conservatives, the, uh, Bible thumpers, uh, like, they believe that, they believe so much stuff that you put out there, like, they don't fact check anything, they do they just see it on one website, and they share it with all their hundreds and thousands of friends on Facebook, and they click ads, like, they're the cure for cancer, um... I can tell you that Fox News is evil as they are. Like they definitely know what they're doing when it comes to uh, targeting the right and the alt right with advertising and that market, because there's a market for it out there, and there's definitely people that will click ads. And you know, I mean, I can understand what they're doing as much as I don't agree with them. I mean, to be clear, you
0: you make a living from this. This is this is how you survive.
1: Yeah, my writing and my my online stuff I do. Yeah, my different websites I have. Yeah, is how I make a living.
0: Cool. And you're going to keep doing it.
1: Which, um, all the right, different types of writing I do. Yeah. Yeah, and fake sure. well, fake
0: news particularly is that something you're you're keen to?
1: Yeah, I've slowed I've slowed down since this whole thing. Yeah. Like that's for sure. I've put out very little since uh, I think the, the latest story I put out was uh, one of the only ones I've put out in the last month or two, like since this whole thing, mm-hmm. just because I've kind of taken a break from it, but I, uh, I like this story in particular it's uh, um, just about Twitter announcing that it's going to delete Donald Trump's uh, Twitter account
0: <laughs> Is this a story and you've written?
1: Yeah, in the next 48 hours, and uh, the whole story is just, I mean, 95% of it is just devoted to talking this trash on Donald Trump with links to back it up. Like, I mean, it talks trash on his cabinet pick members, his beliefs, his statements he said, his um, different beliefs, like why Twitter's canceling his account because of this hate and intolerance and... um, Yeah, I like that article a lot. And that one is being shared by both the left and the right. And that's, like, perfect. That one's, like, ideal, like, because I just like can just talk trash on Trump, the whole article, and it gets shared by his followers. Like, that's great. (laughs) Like, there's not one positive thing in there about Trump. It's just all negative. It's all just negative with links, like, to back it up. So every statement I say in there that's, negative about Trump, I have a little link to it and like for, for fact checking, so I like stuff like that.
0: There you go then, that's Paul Horner, a man who writes fake news articles, and to be honest who can actually blame him when people fall for them, click on them, and he makes thousands of dollars a shot, amazing isn't it? All he did is what he's done actually for the past six years. He made stuff up, like Amish in America commit their vote to Donald Trump. He posted it on Facebook. And he drove traffic to any of his 8 websites, among them incidentally one called abcnews.com.co, so named to make it seem like the real deal. And he rakes in a bunch of money every time. It's interesting that Horner says he was trying to actually damage Trump's campaign by writing stuff that was just so ridiculous to try to make his followers and supporters look like fools. So everything he wrote mocked Trump, but he says the supporters just wanted every story to be true. So instead of making them look like idiots, they just keep on sharing it. And interestingly, Paul Horner himself is all for a crackdown. His view is that most fake news is fake just for fake's sake, while his fake news has actual satirical merit. Isn't it remarkable? Sit in your bedroom, publish a load of rubbish online, make it clickable and shareable, and it goes mad on social media. And you can earn thousands of pounds a month. Sounds not too bad, doesn't it? But it's food for thought when those articles could be interfering with democracy. One question we couldn't quite answer though, and one that I'm interested to hear your thoughts on, did fake news cause Donald Trump to rise, or did Donald Trump cause the rise of fake news? It's an interesting one, but email me with your thoughts, hello at trustmeimajournal.com. Find me on Facebook, you can search Callum Macdonald, I'm on Twitter as well, and I'd just love to hear your thoughts on that, it's an interesting one to ponder. If you don't read the newspaper, you're uninformed. If you do read it, you're misinformed.
2: what do
0: you do? That's the great question. What is the long-term effect of too much information?
1: We live in a society now where it's just first. Who cares? Get it out there. We don't care who it hurts. We don't care who we destroy. We don't care if it's true. Just say it. Sell it.
0: It's vital to note, actually, that President Trump isn't the only character in all of this. It's interesting to think, are the mainstream media simply latching onto him because of their inherent bias against him? That's the accusation that's leveled certainly against some mainstream media outlets in America. Have they held other presidents in America or other leaders around the world to the same standard? I'd love to hear some of your thoughts on next week's episode, so email me hello at trustmeimajournal.com, search Callum McDonald on Facebook, and you can follow at Callum AM on Twitter. Now, it's come to my attention at this stage that some of the things during today's episode may have caught listeners off guard. I began by saying I'd received 1.5 million emails. I thought the millions of people had illegally subscribed to other people's podcasts, leaving me in the lurch somewhere. And I asserted I thought that I might end up, as a result of this episode, on the cover of Time magazine for a record-breaking 14 or 15 times. I'd just like to clarify that whatever you think, none of that was a lie. None of that. None of that at all. These were alternative facts.
1: Don't be so overly dramatic about it, Chuck. What it, it, you're saying it's a falsehood, and they're giving Sean Spicer, our press secretary, gave alternative facts to that. But the point remains: Wait a
0: alternative facts. Anyway, subscribe on iTunes and please tell your friends if you're enjoying the podcast as well because the more the merrier and everyone can join the conversation via email or social media. All the details on how to connect and get in touch are online. Just click trustmeimajournal.com. Until our next episode then, goodbye. Coming up next time… A fake news story that said that the school had been set on fire and that was shared 56,000 times on Facebook, particularly in our local area. Fake news goes back to school. We'll be investigating the disruption that fake news articles are causing across the UK as geeky pupils take to the internet to try to get the day off, or in some cases spread vicious rumours about their teachers. Trust Me, I'm a Journal is a Calum AM production. Its executive producer is John McDonald.